welcome back to the Bob McGinn Football Podcast on BobMcGinnFootball.com. This is your host, Charlie McGinn, and today we have our first sponsor. APA Games is proud to sponsor the Bob McGinn Football Podcast. As a subscriber to this podcast, you have shown that you are more knowledgeable than the average football fan. With APA Football, you have a chance to use your football knowledge to coach real-life pro football players. You are the coach of every play. Coaching alone will seldom win games for you in APA. If you don't have the players or you've been plagued with injuries, you'll find it just as tough to win as you would in real life. APA football covers every aspect of football, and as a coach, you will decide which players will fill the 11 positions on your offensive and defensive platoons. Dad, I know you were a avid APA game player when you were growing up, and I know you want to mention a little something about it. I would. Our friend John Herson now down in Atlanta owns APA. And I started playing this when I was nine years old. Um, first card set I got was the 1961 NFL uh, series, 14 teams in the league. Played that religiously with a bunch of neighborhood friends. Uh, it's a scientific game. I had the card sets of 61, 62, and 63. Uh, you can grill me on the starting lineups for those 14 teams. Charlie, I could still pretty solid on those clubs I'll tell you I played it a lot then when I went to the University of Michigan at the Michigan Daily the campus newspaper we we had a everybody was playing APA baseball I mean crazy craziness in that newsroom guys just going nuts and it's a very realistic uh, game you play these teams realistically and they're going to perform the way they did in real life so uh, it's sports table gaming at its finest John Herson glad you're uh, glad you're with us Put the Xbox and the Playstations down and, and go get APA. So yep. check out you can check out APA at appagames.com. That's A-P-B-A games.com. I'm going to mention one more thing. My family, the, the business used to be located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And on a family trip out east, we stopped at the APA game company there in Lancaster and uh, bought, I think, the card set of 1963, so it's good stuff. All right, Charlie. So on to a note that maybe isn't as fun as APA games. Uh, your football team, the Michigan Wolverines, what happened on Saturday? Oof. Not, uh, yeah, not good. The one game a year I care about, Charles. Um, How shocked were you when they were up 14-0? <laughs> I was just starting to watch the clock early in the second quarter. I said, could this be happening? But you, I knew they'd come back. Knew. Oh, of course <laughs> I knew. Everyone knew. I knew, you know, I mean, you guys hammered OSU, but I knew Urban Meyer would not play down to Michigan. And, uh, you know, they can't stand Michigan any more than we can't stand them. And I'm going to use the we in this case because uh, it is my school. And, uh Hey, they're playing with a third-string quarterback, so I'm going to dig for an excuse, okay? Yeah, that Iowa, uh, the game, guy, <laughs> that Iowa game might be the most fluky thing of the year in college football, honestly. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. You might be right, huh? Yeah. So, anyway, it took a while before uh, the blue went down, and O'Corn obviously is not uh, not good enough. And I think with Brandon Peters, they might have had a shot to, to win it. But he was down with a concussion, and uh, – against Wisconsin, and that's the way it goes. So now tonight, one of these decades, the the Wolverines will win again. 
Um, but I do hope that Jim Harbaugh, I'd take the lifetime contract right now. That guy is, he's going to keep winning. And I, I think he's going to, um, any coach that went four and zero against Mike McCarthy is good enough for the University of Michigan. I'll tell you that. So anyway, there's a basketball game tonight. Michigan is at North Carolina. Charles, uh, the Blues in trouble there, right? Yeah, you'd think so. College basketball is pretty wacky in the beginning of the year, though. It's very, very tough to get a read on these kids. There's just so many freshmen and sophomores hmm. running around. It's, it's hard to tell how the season's going to take shape. Hmm. Yeah. So they're, I think they're 10-point dogs down there. And uh, anything else you want to mention at the top here, Charles? No, I'm just... Uh... For you Bitcoin followers out there, it's been quite a 48 hours. For these, for those of you that aren't, you're going to be wondering what the heck is he talking about. For for those that are, you know what type of roller coaster we've been on here for the last 48. <laughs> so it's been a good one with Bitcoin, right? It's been a wild one. Okay. A very very crazy one. We're talking 30 <laughs> to 70 percent gains and then 30 percent drops. <laughs> Uh, buckle in but uh so let's get to some football action here all right the packers are coming off a heartbreaking defeat at heinz field tough one for packers fans just when you think the season's over they get reeled right back in a chance to take down the steelers who are arguably a top five super bowl contender i'm sure some would say maybe even top three top four only to have Coach McCarthy call a 58-yard field goal, shank, score, and that's basically all she wrote. What are your thoughts on that field goal? Yeah, let's go to that. It was 57, Charles. 5'7". 57. 57. The official distance. Yep. So, you know, they're playing out of their minds here, and it's and they're getting taking the ball away and they got a real shot to win and it's 21-14 on the bomb to Devontae Adams and then they get a gift a great batted pass by Ahmad Brooks falls right into the lap of uh, Blake Martinez first down at the uh, Steeler 45 three straight runs by um, Jamal Williams 14 yards first down at the 31 McCarthy called a bootleg on the next play a naked boot and um, 96 I'm looking at my play-by-play here. 96 is Mr. Oh, Latarius Walton from Central Michigan, uh, Antonio Brown School. Do you believe that, two Chippewas? Anyway, he comes off that naked boot and gets uh, Hunley beautifully for minus five. Next time, he throws a slant out of an empty formation, shotgun. Throws a slant to Jordy Nelson, who's being covered by the linebacker, rookie T.J. Watt, and Watt breaks it up. So now you got third and 15, and um, they ran a stunt over there on the left side, and Lane Taylor and Bakhtiari didn't do the job, primarily Lane Taylor, and the sack was made by Cameron Hayward, minus three. So now the ball's at the 39. No man's land. Well, I think it's all punt land, actually. So the option is to to try a 57-yard field goal, or to call Justin Vogel to get that Aussie punt work, and odds are he fair catches between the 5 and the 10, making the Steelers go a long way for a tying touchdown. Um, yeah, I just was totally stunned at the time. Um, what was your thought at the time? <laughs> my, fl- my phone, 
Obviously, my friends are. I have some diehards. My phone was blowing up with just what in the F is he doing? What is going on? What? I mean, it was, I knew, I think most Packer fans probably got up from their couch just expecting a punt to happen, only to turn around the corner to see a football being shanked five yards off the TV screen. I, I couldn't believe it. I knew right then and there, I said, to my friend, I said, this, probably, this game's probably over after that. That's just how the NFL goes. Plays like that happen, complete momentum shift. I was talking to you before this. I would love to see a stat on how many teams score after a 50-yard field goal is missed. So 50-yard field goal missed, how many times on the next possession does the opposing team take the ball down and score, even if it's a field goal? You, you just felt it. You just felt the drive was going to be coming after that. I mean, they were playing so well. If if they just punt there, pin them inside the 15, totally different game. I was shocked. So today, Mike Tomlin, that is Wednesday presser, he was asked, uh, what did you think about when Crosby tried the 57-yarder? Did you think it was out of his range? And Mr. Tomlin's uh, response was, I don't know Crosby, so I was watching it just like everybody else. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly in his range. It's just the situation plus Heinz Field. I think those are the two factors. I mean, if they're in, if they're at Cowboy Stadium, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Give it a whirl. He can clear it. I, he has that in him. But at Heinz Field, yeah, he made a he made a fifty-eight yarder in twenty eleven. I think he may have hit one in an exhibition game. It was long too, but I can't remember. Uh, you know, the kickoffs. Both guys' kickoffs weren't carrying that well that night. Oh. Grass field, it's a graveyard for kickers. It always has been. You got a you know a first year holder who struggles, and you should be able to depend on Brett Good, but the snap wasn't good. Um, you know the operation, the mechanics. It's not exactly like uh, a young Brett Good, Tim Maste, and even a stronger Mason Crosby banging that ball. So you know McCarthy defended himself after the game. And he shook off, he kind of seemed incredulous that he was being asked about it again on Monday. But it was a blunder, and uh, it helped really lose the football game. Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of emails I've had, Charlie, from people saying, well, McCarthy does one or two of those every game. Well, that's a bunch of BS. He doesn't have one or two. I mean, I chart this stuff, and um, most games, there's, there's nothing like this. This was a this stood out like a sore thumb. I mean, he's had a few over the years, but when you coach 205 games, all right, you're going to have some. But this one just stood out as a as a wrong-headed decision. Yeah, and I mean if it goes, of course, he looks like a genius, but I think even most people at that point would have been sitting there like, "Oh my goodness, can't believe that went." I mean, if it's 49, or right, so if it's 40, let's say it's 50. Would you say still kick it? 50, yeah. Yeah. 50 on the nose, yeah. It was just the fact that it was a 57. Man. It's a bomb. Yes, it is. I mean, most NFL kickers can get that there, but, again, just the situation. And I don't know. I think his plant foot slipped. When you look at that thing, I think it did, and that's why it went way, way left. He was just – he kind of, I think, believed it was out of his range and – you know, he had to approach it differently, and the foot went on the grass. So, all right, so from there, 
you know, uh, the Steelers get a couple scores and they're ahead 28-21. And then you got Brett Hundley with uh, a drive started with 8.42 left at his own 23. He takes 77-12 and 12 over the next 6.40 for a, a, a wonderful tying touchdown, 28-28. Big plays galore. He throws that uh, – Against the blitz, he threw that 25-yard shot to Richard Rodgers on a hot, beautiful play. He hit Cobb on a boot for 12. He threw a quick in to Adams for 12, another well-thrown ball. And then on uh, fourth and six, he hit uh, on that really nice in-and-out blitz, uh, eight yards to Adams over there against William Gay. First and goal on the four, Jamal Williams smells the end zone. Touchdown, Green Bay. Crosby makes the kick. 2:02 left, and this thing is tied. And we got a. This is a great game, you know. It really is. Unbelievable drive, drive for sure. The best drive I've seen out of him since he's been playing, since he's taken over. Mm-hmm. I, I did not think, in that situation on the road, crowd amped up. I didn't think, I didn't think there was a chance. To be honest with you, if, if they would have been down ten. Everybody knows in the NFL you get the two-score two lead and it's just prevent defense. But, I mean, that was playing to win the game. Steelers at home, eight minutes left, unreal drive. Yep, it was. So, um, okay, Steelers to get the ball at their own 25, uh, you know, advance to first down at the 46 and then go incomplete, 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 a bad throw. Uh, just on a sideline route uh, route just off the uh, hands of Antonio Brown. And then um, and Nick Perry got a pressure on fourth down, and uh, Randall got a heck of a breakup on that sideline over there to uh, Eli Rogers. So they're punting. Green Bay ball with 120 left from their own 18. Um, okay, so here Bakhtiari lets, lets down the offense. Uh Keith Butler only rushes three. Bakhtiari gets beat by Stephon Truitt. Um, Truitt, a big guy. He shouldn't be getting beat against a three-man rush. I mean, he can overplay the outside. He's got help from Taylor inside against a three. It's it's just not good football. That flushes Hunley up into the pocket where Watt then, who's 10 to 15 yards deep, comes running up, uh, drills him, gets credit for the sack. Um the sack really should be charged to Bakhtiari. And it's a helmet-to-helmet hit that the refs didn't see, right? Yeah, it was pretty clear on replay. So that would be first down at the 33, and then they're really ready to go. Mm-hmm. So the clock's running, and Tomlin doesn't call timeout. I'm not I, really sure way, why. Sh- that I was so confused by that. I mean, I understand saving them if, like, let's say there was 55 seconds left. If they were going to get the ball with 55 instead of 30, I I couldn't figure that Mm -hmm. out. No, me either. So the clock runs all the way down, and McCarthy, first he's, you know, he explains that he wants to see if Hunley is okay. And once he determines that it is, then he's got the clock's running, he's got to call a play. And at this point he decides to play for overtime and he calls the screen to Jamal Williams who promptly runs out of bounds. Well, even had he fallen down, Tomlin could have called his first timeout. They ended the game with, with one timeout anyway. So that's not a factor. McCarthy exonerates Williams for going out of bounds. 
um, although he didn't know McCarthy had pulled back because there was no stoppage to inform him that. And then on the third and 13, they run a draw for four. That's fine. Pittsburgh calls the first time out. And Vogel gets a good punt, 53 yards to Antonio. There's really good coverage by Trevor Davis. Gain of two. All right. So we got 17 seconds left, first and 10 on the 30. What would you think at this point now? Well, a few things. Tomlin not calling a timeout, uh, that would have been on first after first down, after the sack. That yeah. would have completely changed everything because then the Steelers would have had the ball with a minute left, 55 seconds left. It's just it's very mind-blowing how coaches screw up the clock. Secondly, mm-hmm. a lot of fans were upset with the third and 13 call. I, To me, that's the play. I mean, you're just trying to make them use a timeout and get into overtime. There's 30 seconds left. You're In the NFL, you're hoping your defense can get a stop there with yep. 17 seconds. So the third down play, no problems with. I thought it was pretty pretty routine. Uh, at this I, point, I I'm agree. thinking overtime, and then the Antonio Brown show happens. All right, let's look at this thing. Um, Dom Capers blitzed 7.6% in this game. That's the second lowest of his nine-year career. He had a game in 09, the wild card playoff defeat in Arizona, in which he blitzed a little bit less. But this was so out of character. He he played coverage all night. He just was trying to protect his secondary. He knew he had no hope to get a four-man rush in there without Matthews and Clark, but he hung to it, and he stayed with it. And at first down, he did it again. He rushed four, and he's in a cover-three situation with all, a whole bunch of people over there by Antonio Brown, three people, primarily King and uh, Josh Jones. I mean, I don't know. Antonio Brown, a sixth-round pick from Central Michigan. He ran four five three. His vertical, his broad jump, his vert was 33 and a half. Uh, I mean, that's okay. He's only 5'10". But his broad jump was 8 feet 9 inches. I mean, that is horrible. Uh, I don't know what to say. But, but what this guy has done in his career is absolutely amazing. Anyway, it's over on the sideline there, and Big Ben throws a perfect ball. And uh, Josh Jones, he's always a step late. He has to go and hammer Brown and push him out of bounds so there's just that he can't possibly get the feet. And if you look at that, this rookie, he should have been coming a lot harder. Just you make the play. But no, he doesn't. And it's a love tap at the end. And Brown gets that left foot down within inches. And the right foot drags. And it's a 23-yard miraculous completion. What about the play, Charlie? In real time, it looked like there was no way it was complete. And then they showed the replay, and uh, just like everybody else saw it, and I, I couldn't believe it. it. When you looked from a real real time to replay, it, it seemed unfathomable that he would catch that ball and get two feet in. Sure, I mean, it was clear. It was very clear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, Brown is obviously being heavily involved in fantasy over the years. You see a Brown's name pop up top five pick pretty much for the last five years. He is remarkable. Yeah. Good, great throw too. So he's out of bounds. Oh, on that play, Green Bay had one of their better rushes of the entire night when Kyler Fackrell got inside of the left guard 
and it was within a step and a half, probably a big bend, but the ball was thrown on time because the, you know, the coverage and whatever wasn't very good out there. And, uh, Okay, so in, he couldn't in, hit anybody. In a way, it kind of reminded me of the Cook catch at Dallas. Uh, uh yeah, yeah. I remember that, that watching. Does. I remember That's watching true. that in real time, thinking, "Nope." So then seeing the mm-hmm. replay, and mm-hmm. okay, maybe. Yep. All right, so now there's 13 seconds left. Ed Hockley puts two two back, and um, so now Dom Capers, as he usually does, he just. He rushes six, you know. He comes with six, and it's against five blockers. So somebody's unblocked. And um, where's my notes? Okay, Le'Veon Bell, he blocked Martinez, who's not a good rusher. And over from that, the Packers' left slot comes Demarius Randall, who's playing his best game of the year. But Randall didn't cheat, and he came a bit too late. You And... Um, so when Big Ben is throwing the out over here to Brown on the other side, from his blind side, here comes Demarius. But again, he's a step, step and a half late, and he pulls up smartly. He's not going to get a roughing penalty. And what a route Brown ran over there against King. Now, King's playing with this bad wing. He's playing on guts. It's hard to evaluate anything he's doing right now. But when you look at that cut Brown made... <laughs> I mean, it was just like Jordy Nelson even commented after the game how precise and quick this player is. I don't think anybody could have stopped that right there, really. No. So the game, the game is 14, and now the ball's at the 33 with nine seconds left. All right, so Dom tried his six, and so now uh, he rushes four, and Big Ben throws it over there to Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon decides to fall down on a check down for minus two. Pittsburgh calls their second timeout, and there's four seconds left. Then Green Bay calls its third timeout. Um, Clinton Dix, the uh, the kind of the leader of the uh, field goal block team, comes over to the sidelines, talks to Ron Zook and Mike McCarthy, and uh, I'm thinking they're telling him at this point that they don't. A, well, they're only going to, they decide to rush eight. Either A, they're worried about a fake, or B, they don't want to have a roughing the kicker or holder penalty, something like that. They don't, they don't think Boswell can make this 53 yarder. Who would think he could, right? After yeah. what they saw Crosby do from 57. Exactly. So Clinton Dix is behind the line. You know, Green Bay's remembering the Seattle title game uh, four years ago in which, uh, you know, they weren't safe on the thing, and they gave up the the game-turning uh, touchdown on a fake from John Ryan. And uh, three guys don't rush, King and Jermaine Whitehead off, off to the offensive left, and Clinton Dix, of course, behind the line. And the kick is, is good, squeaks, and it's over. Squeaks right, squeaks right through the left, left corner. Yep, kind of snuck in there. Um, Green Bay calls the timeout. Now you saw that stat on the TV showing that. What was what did the stats show? I think it was Kicks. like seventy-eight per seventy-two or three. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to say I I saw the stat. I thought it was cool that they put that up there, but it was really cool. It was better if you called the timeout, correct? Better chance of making it. Yes, that was right. the, that was the higher percentage. 
Yep. Yep. Um, okay, so everybody marches off, and Green Bay goes to five and six, and the Steelers to nine and two. So that's where we are today. Yeah, it's uh, they're gonna. I mean, must win for the next two. I know people saw the highlights of Rogers throwing fifty-yard bombs and warm-ups. So clearly, that's kind of hanging around. I personally, I don't see him coming back unless the Packers rattle off. Pretty much win out from here. Uh, I just, mm-hmm. I, I just don't see him coming back out unless it's a for sure win and you're in type situation. But we will see how this unfolds. So that was the Steelers. Anything if else to add on that? To, Well, Charlie, if he's cleared to play, I think he's really going to push to play. Uh, and these games are important to him. Uh, if they are... If they are mathematically eliminated and he's cleared to play, you think he'll play? And they're going to have to hold him down with a team of wild horses they just will. to prevent him if he's cleared. I mean, it, it's, um, yeah. I don't he, see the value in it. Why would you? You know, he's proud of his durability. He's proud of his of his stats. He's proud of being able to come back from this thing in you know in in short order. Uh, it's going to be hard to keep him out of there. Um, he'd be, he'd have a chance, even if they're eliminated, he'd have a chance to, uh, defeat two division opponents, um, games 15 and 16. I don't know. It's interesting. One more defeat. Are they eliminated? Would you say not mathematically, but actually, I think they probably are, huh? Realistically. Uh, they're what? Two games out of the wild card right now. Yeah. I don't see it. I mean, No. Yeah, obviously the Buccaneers and Browns are must-wins. At Carolina with Al Rodgers, that would be the interesting situation. Win-win, could he be cleared? Because mm-hmm. what I envision is potentially win-win-loss, borderline eliminated, and then does he come back to play the Vikings and the Lions? Mm-hmm. But if he that's... were to be announced before Carolina, that's when things could get very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that's even a realistic. I mean, I have no idea. I'm not a doctor, but no. th- that would be the scenario nope, where I th- I could see him playing. Yep. Um. um so it was a, a tremendous effort, and uh, but you get credit for the L. You got to finish games, and uh, that's just the way it is. It's the law of the jungle, and so without that starting quarterback, McCarthy's what three fifteen and one right now. <laughs> it's a tough business. Yes, it um, is. What should we? St- you want to talk about Leroy Butler a little bit on his uh, Hall of Fame deal? Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you take that one. All right. Well, uh, yeah, you were a little young seeing Leroy, but we'll just talk a little bit. So he's one of the I don't know twenty-seven semifinalists. I think it was something like mm-hmm. that for the Hall of Fame. First time that's ever happened. Um, I wrote that column last week, and um, you know. He's, he had a bunch of picks, a bunch of sacks. We know about the leadership, but what you do in the Super Bowl is sometimes really important to voters, and in that case, Butler um, has, a, has a real shot. In that Denver game, when I wrote that the, the Ultimate Super Bowl book on the first 46 games, um, 
the only other player I had heard the opposing offense discuss in terms of preparation and trying to avoid a player or deceive a player was uh, Pittsburgh safety Troy Palomalu. Uh, Both the Arizona Cardinals and the Broncos, um, no, excuse me, New England, hold on, in the Denver defeat, Super Bowl 32, all their coaches in the interviews, um, just they, the whole game plan was they wanted to run Terrell Davis, but to do it, they had to get Leroy Butler out of the box because he was killing people with his low tackling and his instinctiveness to, fu- to uh, read these plays. And so they basically took Shannon Sharp and moved him, flanked him wide. And remember, a lot, not a lot of tight ends were setting wide 20 years ago. And Butler went out there to cover him in most cases. Um, and they would run the other way. They'd run inside. And also the tackles in in Denver decided to go after Butler, leaving the defensive end of the tight end. And at times the fullback Howard Griffith would go after Butler and let the wide receivers block the linebacker. Quote from John Elway, that was the game right there. No one had been getting a hat on Butler. We knew someone had to be on him at all times. Um And even in his first Super Bowl against New England, Butler had seven tackles, a big sack, a big knockdown of Drew Bledsoe. So he's got a shot. I mean, the safeties are, it's a position that's not real prominent in the eyes of Hall of Fame selectors. Um, There's only been eight safeties of the 310 inch Rhinese, only eight were pure safeties, and four were listed as cornerback safeties. Now, there's a lot of good ones that have not been in, uh, including contemporaries of Leroy Butler, like Brian Dawkins, uh, Rodney Harrison, Carnell Lake, Tim McDonald, Steve Atwater, uh, Darren Sharper, Adrian Wilson, Darren Darren Woodson. But of all those players, I think Butler... um, Dawkins played in one Super Bowl. I don't think he was a factor for the Eagles in that game against the Patriots. Rodney Harrison played in a bunch of them, but Rodney Harrison couldn't run and cover like Butler. I think Butler's got a shot of all those people. He's he probably first or second. He might have to wait years, Charlie. Uh, this is not going to go away. Um, it could be, who knows, 5, 10, 15 years. But I think at some point he'll be a finalist, and then he will be discussed by the media. And... Um, the selectors, and then we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I never really uh, encountered a player who knew more about all areas of a football team than Butler did. Um, his leadership, he was the leader of that 96 defense, uh, even one that had Reggie White and Wayne Simmons and the great Eugene Robinson. What a leader he was, a leader of men. And um, But he was the guy, and... Uh, he loved the Packers uh, as much as anything, and he took pay cuts to stay, and he could cover, especially early in his career. He could go down in the slot and cover. He could blitz like a maniac with explosiveness and violence and, and speed and timing. Uh, he was good off the hash. He could play the ball off the hash and made a bunch of picks, 38 in his career. He's a strong tackler as the Broncos uh, all said before Super Bowl 32 and he could uh he was an unreal leader truly truly was so that's Leroy Butler and uh, so we'll see he probably won't be a finalist this year but 
that's all for the future. At least he's getting a shot. So that's it there, Charlie. You, you don't remember Leroy playing, do you? You were a little young. Yeah, I remember, obviously, just not enough to dissect his playing. <laughs> it was more yeah. just it was more just the Packers are really good <laughs> and Leroy's really good. <laughs> yep. In in a nutshell. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll let you take that one. Um So should we jump into a preview of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, I think so. It's been Um, a disappointing season for them. They come in at four and seven. Yes, it is. Um, They've been outgunned in a much improved division by the Saints and the Panthers, and there's a third. There's a third contender. I can't even think who else is in that NFC South. That's good. My mind's a blank. Would you say? Um, I mean, it's the. It's the oh, Atlanta! Yeah, yes. they're all in there: Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carolina. Right. So, four and seven, they're struggling. All right, let's talk about the QB right off the bat. Jameis Winston's going to start this game. Coach Dirk Cutter announced that today. Ryan Fitzpatrick had started the last three. He went two and one and uh, minimal turnovers. So Winston's got the job. Uh, he had a sprained AC joint, I think October. Five, I believe it was. Excuse me, October 15 against Arizona. Then he played, kept playing for four games. They lost four. He didn't play well. Now he sat out. So he's been out a month. Um, he's a great talent. How will he be after a layoff? No one knows. Two scouts I spoke to on Tuesday, they both said that to win this game, Tampa would be better served starting Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will play it by the book and would do the expected. One scout said he doesn't. He thinks Winston in this in this spot is totally unpredictable. Has no idea. He's an emotional player. Wants to make big plays. He's going to be rusty. He had no idea how he would perform at Lambeau Field. Weather will not be a problem. Forecast is 44, 20 percent rain. That's much to the Bucks' delight. Certainly, they remember the Snow Bowl of '85, and then there was a mud game here in December of '84. And they never want to experience that again. So, okay, what's he got for targets? He's got Mike Evans, terrific player, wins 50-50 balls, 6-4.5. He's going to be, he's not Julio Jones, but he's darn good. They got Deshaun Jackson, who can run by anybody. Jackson has not hurt Green Bay over the years. And he's got a a slot, Adam Humphreys, who's okay. Uh, The tight ends are outstanding, really good. They're a two-tight end offense. You got O.J. Howard, the rookie from Alabama. Man, is he explosive, and he can block, too. And Cameron Brait, a kid from Harvard with a big Wonderlick score of, I think, 36. And uh, Brait just catches touchdown passes. So you know these skill position people. I'll mention the running backs before, Charlie, and then you can discuss them. you got Doug Martin, but he's got a concussion. Uh, he's in protocol. Let's, let's assume he doesn't play. Then you got a three-man rotation with Jaquez Rogers, the little 5'6 dynamo. You got Peyton Barber, a 230-pounder from Auburn, a free agent, second year, and Charles Sims has been a third down back. All right, how do you see their weapons, Charlie? They have the weapons. Uh, Evans is having, uh, I would say, a pretty disappointing season. I think it could finish up to be his worst ever since he came in the league in 2014, unless he's able to eclipse a thousand yards here, which is obviously very possible. He's at 702 right now. Uh, his touchdowns are – he had 12 touchdowns last year and 12 as a rookie. Oh. Yeah, just it, – it's weird. They 
they've Tampa Bay was one of those teams that I think everyone had their eye on, and they've completely come out and laid an egg. Jameis is Jameis. Like, I, you never know what you're going to get from the guy. Sometimes it's a buck fifty and a pick, and then other times it's three fifty. You just he's he's all over the place. Uh, Braid started out. He came out of the gate hot. He was six receptions, five receptions, six receptions, chewing up yardage. And I think the last four games he's had one reception in each game. Granted, hmm. Fitzpatrick's been at the helm here, but his production's dipped drastically in the back half of the year. O.J. Howard's a stud. He's obviously going to be a freak, I think, for years to come. Uh, but Brait was really still the guy, and now his production's dipped a lot. Running backs, pretty pretty low production out of them as well. So now their problem is uh, they had the, the same five O-linemen had started every game except one. One guy missed one game. Now... Wednesday morning, all of a sudden, they sent out a press release saying the starting center, Ali Marpet, and the starting right guard, Damar Dotson, are both being placed on IR. Holy cow. Uh, they both have knee injuries. They both finished the game in Atlanta. They got beat 34-20 to 20 on Sunday. So they're out. So an average line to begin with now has got real problems. The ex-Packer, Evan Dietrich-Smith, the center, he probably would start for Marpet, but he's missed the last game with a concussion. Who knows? Although he did practice fully today, so maybe he starts. They also got a guy, another veteran center, Joe Hawley. Uh, he started 52 games for the Falcons and the Bucks. He's a scrapper. He gets in a lot of fights. He's okay. And then at right tackle, Dotson's out. So you got, I think it's going to be a, a second-year guy from UCLA, Caleb Beninock. He's a really good athlete, pretty good arm length. But, you know, scouts question his toughness and run blocking, so that was a big drop there. Uh, Donovan Smith is a kind of a finesse, huge left tackle. Pamphile from Purdue is a left guard. He's a tough guy, uh, limited athlete. And J.R. Sweezy, the ex-Seattle, another uh, tough guy, some would say cheap shot artist, ex-D lineman, um, missed all last year with a back, and he's not played well. Looks like he's lost his bend and flexibility, so that's a problem with Jameis Winston now coming back behind a depleted O line. Um, the Bucks, I don't know how much they can score up here, but the weather's going to be good, so they don't. That's not an excuse. All right, let's look at the defense. This is Mike Smith, the uh, highly successful coach of the Atlanta Falcons from 2008 to 2014. Guy was 67 and 50. And he did very well against Mike McCarthy early. Then McCarthy did very well against him. And really, Mike Smith got fired. So he's back now with, uh, with the Bucks, second year as D coordinator. Did, they had a terrific defensive turnaround down the stretch last year. Uh, Mike Smith got a contract extension. But now they've just fallen apart. They're 32nd in almost every category. They're brutal. All right, you got one pass rusher, Gerald McCoy, the three technique. Five-time Pro Bowler gets doubled almost every pass. I mean, Lindsley's going to be, you know, whichever way he goes, Lindsley will be um, sliding that way, and, and that's the Falcons just took him right out of the game. The other inside guy is Chris Baker, an ex-Redskin, 30 years old, got paid a lot of money. Uh, don't know why they paid him a lot of money. Uh, Clinton McDonald's a pretty good inside player, but he's got a back injury. Don't know if he's playing. On the outside... 
Where's the injury report from today? You've got Robert Ayers as their best end. He missed last game with a concussion, and he was limited today. The right end is a rundown guy, William Golston, a real big guy. He's okay, but he has no rush. They have Will Clark and Ryan Russell, smaller, classic 4-3 DEs. They're more athletic probably than the other two, but they're not complete players. On passing downs, what they do, uh, it's, well, it's usually, it was, in Atlanta, it was Russell and McCoy inside. And on the outside, they take starting Sam Backer, Kendall Beckwith, put him at left outside, and then a, a rookie backer, second-year backer, Devontae Bond, 238 pounds. They put him with his hand down at, at right right end. So he'd be going against Bakhtiari. I mean, there's no way. Bakhtiari's way too athletic to get beat by that stuff. So what Smith had to do against Matt Ryan, and he didn't want to, but he just started wholesale blitzing. And that's one of the reasons Julio Jones got 250. The back end can't hold up. Did you see any of those highlights, Charlie? Yeah, I, I, it, <laughs> it was reminiscent of when Julio went bananas on the Packers. Yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, he's so good, and there was he was having even such get a there quiet year too. That's what it was. I mean, you knew he was going to explode soon, but he was having a pretty quiet year. Yep, as were the Falcons. They've come on now. Okay, um, they do have. They do have a great player, weak backer, Levante David. Um, is he better than Ryan Shazier of Pittsburgh? Really close. David can do all kinds of things, and he's got to, he, Smith will try to put him in places to make plays, and the Packers got to account for him every snap. The middle backer, Quan Alexander, came from LSU, third-year guy. Another really fast inside player uh, like the Steelers have. And a good player. And Beckwith's okay, another rookie from LSU. In the secondary, you got Brent Grimes, who's 34, maybe the oldest corner in the league, I'm not sure. Um, Brent Grimes is a good player, but he's just 5'8 half. He's quick and feisty, but he gets beat on the, on, get, gets out muscled at the high balls. Uh, the other starter, Vernon Hargraves, missed the last two games with a hamstring, sat out practice on Wednesday. Let's say he doesn't play. The other starter is Ryan Smith, a fourth-round pick in 2016 from North Carolina Central. Smith uh, couldn't keep his feet against Julio Jones' move the other day. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, he can run, but he's still raw. He shouldn't be starting. And the nickel is old Robert McClain from UConn, um, Michael Cohen's school. He would know McClain. McClain's a, kind of a small guy. He's just kind of well-traveled. So... You can pick the Bucks apart in the passing game, clearly. At safety, they inserted uh, Justin Evans, the second-round pick from Texas A&M. He's a free safety. He's a hitter. I like him. He can run good. Just doesn't play the ball well. You could see that on this 44-yard touchdown pass to Julio Jones up the middle. Uh, he never even found the ball, and Julio clutched it at the goal line. The other safety was T.J. Ward. The last couple games, uh, the ex uh, kind of cheap-shotting Cleveland Brown, but he's a tough guy too. TJ's got a concussion in the game, sat out Wednesday. Let's assume he doesn't play. So you got Chris Conti, the ex-Bear, lanky at six two and a half, but he's really not going to run support. That's the D. So 
how many starters they got that they want to have starting? Two, Grimes and Evans, and they'd be missing Hargraves and Ward. So they're struggling in the secondary, yeah. and they're struggling on defense. And the stats, I mean, the stats align with what you're saying. Their rushing defense is actually fifth in the NFL. Their passing defense is 30, 29th, 30th. So they so does anybody even run the ball? run against them? <laughs> right. That's, yeah. I mean, it's probably skewed a little because I'm sure everyone's just throwing it through the air. But, yeah, very, very yeah. suspect defense at this point of the season. Yeah. Okay, the uh, the kicker Patrick Murray. He's a five seven guy from Little Fordham University. He's done pretty well. The punter Brian Anger was a, a bust at Jacksonville as a third round pick. He's okay. Uh, the holder's fine. Or excuse me, the long snapper Sanborn. He's been there a long time. He's fine. Um, they cut their return guy Michael Reedy a couple weeks ago. They got Rogers Jaquez on. Uh, Kickoff return and Humphreys, the slot receiver, returning the punts. Uh, they were 30th in midseason on special teams. So that's where they are. The dynamics of the game, they're 4-7. and seven. They're all but eliminated. However, uh, Dirk Cutter and probably GM Jason Light and a lot of other people are fighting for their jobs. And um, this is no throwaway for them. They don't have the excuse of the weather that will – that would just ruin them as soon as they walked in, walked out of the bus. So, you know, it depends on Winston, really, Charlie. I mean, can he make a bunch of plays with people hanging all over him and all this? You know, um, the and Packers are two-point favorite, I believe. Yeah, it's, that's what I saw as well. So, I don't know. Guess that's about it for the Bucks. Uh, I wonder if there'll be no shows for Sunday. Um, if the fans will be into the game, hard to find, hard to tell. Let's check StubHub right now and see how cheap it yeah. is to get into the game this summer. Hmm. Okay. For a measly fifty-two bucks, you can catch a game on Sunday in Lambeau. Boy, it's really low, isn't it's it? It's got to be the lowest I've seen in years, minus preseason. Really? Yeah, easily. Easily the lowest. You can't even list your tickets on the ticket exchange for less than face, so unless you're using StubHub, your tickets aren't going to move. A little FYI to people that are trying to get rid of them. Yeah. The weather's supposed to be good, you know? 44 is a lot when I looked at it last night. Doesn't matter. So, yeah, if you want to see a game, I mean, good grief. Yeah, this would be the game to take a family to. Yeah. No problem with the weather. I mean, geez. So we'll see what happens there. Um, well, uh, we got anything else to discuss on the site or anything? No, the question and answer, I would say, was a success. Thanks to everyone for participating in that. I'm sure we'll do another one of, one of those soon. I thought it went yep. well for, I mean, kind of a throw-together situation that we had, but I thought the questions mm-hmm. were great you answered a ton of them and it was a it was a good good experiment that we did yeah really appreciate the subscribers who participated in that um i must say that in the in the comment sections um there's some really smart knowledgeable football fans and readers here on our site 
and uh, this is really an intelligent group of people. The discourse has been really civil, really smart, and um, I just want to thank you all for uh, <laughs> for participating and uh, keeping it civil and offering so much. Yeah, I I'm on these sports sites all the time, and as most people know, the comment section can get a little dicey at times. I honestly, the Bob McGinn football community is it's crazy it's a it's a very cool community everyone kind of feeds off each other disagrees but it's pretty civil so thank you for contributing yep in terms of housekeeping items that is all i have for today for the website okay yep so i think we uh, will mention uh, mr herson again okay charlie why don't you close it off with that Yep, so one more time, uh, you can check out APA Games at apbagames.com. And APA Games is a proud sponsor of the Bob McGinn Football Podcast. As a subscriber to this podcast, you have shown that you are more knowledgeable than the average football fan. With APA Football, you have a chance to use your football knowledge to coach real-life pro football players. You are the coach of every play. The thing to remember is coaching alone will seldom win you games in APA you don't have the players or you're plagued with injuries it's just as hard to win as it is in real life apple football covers every aspect of football as a coach you decide who the players are in all 11 positions including offensive and defensive platoons that's apbagames.com i can still hear that shake of the dice charlie and if you were on offense you wanted to come up with a 66 that was usually a touchdown man 66 (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. The red die and the white die. Six and six, man. Big time. Well, until next time, folks, thank you for listening. And that is all for the Bob McGinn Football Podcast this week. Thanks a lot.